This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Coming up at 5 o'clock today, our buddy John Morosi will join us, talk some baseball with him. Spring training well underway, so we've got a lot to discuss with him. Meanwhile, I was doing a deep dive, Dave, last night into uh, mock drafts. There's a ton of them out there. I know. Tons. You sent me like five of them. <laughs> there's a and I think they all changed <laughs> since you sent them to me last Have night. Have they changed? These aren't even new no. additions now. Now there's like 2.5, 3.0, all of them. But, uh, yeah, trying to keep up with the latest and the greatest, and some of them – it's kind of standing pat with what we think. You know, some of them have trades in there, make it more interesting. But uh, Mel Kuyper's one that everybody looks to, not that he's always right, but he's got an interesting take on this. So in his latest mock draft, he's got trades happening. So he's got the Panthers making a trade with with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. And so the Panthers would trade up to draft a quarterback. So he says, Carolina is lurking in the top 10. It has the draft assets, the number nine overall pick, along with extra second, third, and fifth round picks from the Christian McCaffrey trade to move up to get a passer. It just needs a trade partner. In this scenario, it could send the entire package and potentially more to move up four spots with Seattle. So that's what he's got. So they, he's got them taking Will Levis, I believe, at number five and trading up with Seattle, Seattle then going to number nine. And here's what he says about Seattle. He said, here's a team that can afford to take a developmental quarterback with elite upside. Seattle has said it wants to bring back veteran Geno Smith, but what if the organization uses a franchise tag on Smith, pays him for a season, adds Richardson, the kid out of, uh, out of uh, Florida, Anthony Richardson, their quarterback, um, uh, I lost my play. Oh yeah, here he is. Play him, bring him in for a season under Gino, uh, and then he takes over in 2024. That'd be the ideal scenario for Richardson, a raw passer who completed just 53.8 percent of his passes uh, last season, but has incredible ability as a runner. He had 17 touchdown passes, added nine more scores on the ground. At six four, Richardson has the type of arm strength that makes NFL coaches drool. If he gets into the right situation and isn't forced to play early, he could be a star. The Seahawks make the most sense for Richardson because they have the picks to take a chance on a high-ceiling prospect, including what they're getting in the projected trade with the Panthers. If they don't go with Richardson, they likely will be all in on one of the edge rushers, Tyree Wilson, and Miles Murphy still available in his mock draft. I like Miles Murphy. I do. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the quarterback goes... I guess it reminds me a little bit too much. And this is the scenario we talked about earlier, by the way, that they trade back and, um, you know, they're able to sign Gino, maybe just franchise tag him. He's here to babysit a quarterback who's a rookie for, for a year and, you know, teach him, teach him the ropes. Meanwhile, Gino goes out, has a Pro Bowl year again and gets paid what he really wants to get paid. Gets paid. Yeah. He's even more, the market grows yeah. even more. So, and, and by the way, I feel like, that Gino shouldn't be frustrated with the Seahawks so much. I mean, if there is no market out there for him, and look, this is given that we get to March 15th and there's nothing going on, and so the Seahawks, you know, franchise tag him, he won't really have anything to complain about. So it's kind of the best-case scenario, I think, for Gino for the long run. I mean, obviously, for the best the best-case scenario for him is that I get a three-year, $40 million a year deal, right? Yeah. Something like that. But that that could work out. 
Um, yeah, and so just just to talk about players, that Anthony Richardson, kid, you mentioned his completion percentage. The other thing I worry about with him, he's played in 22 games in college, and it just kind of reminds me of Trey Lance, except for he played in Florida and and, and yeah. the SEC. So that's just a little bit different. 53.8%. Yeah, Ugh. and then, I mean, his highest was 59 uh, his well, his redshirt freshman year, I guess, and he threw for just 529 yards. So he's Does that not feel like a top ten pick to you. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that I feel like Trey Lance that you you look at, and now Trey Lance had some pretty impressive passing numbers, but you know he was just looked like a guy that you could develop. This kid's just freaky athletic, Richardson. I mean, you know, just spinning out of sacks and throwing on the run and incredible moves downfield. I mean, really, he looks more like a running back. So I'm not, I'm not so sure that that part would go there, but it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, you know with Jalen Carter and whether they trade out of that. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe that I know you've been talking about this, Bob. That you think maybe they'll they'll trade out of that number five pick. Maybe it's more likely if uh, if Jalen Carter you know is his he drops. stock drops and everything. Maybe they'll they'll think well we don't really have anybody here for a number five pick. Yeah, I, I got to say just in in connection with that. I think the only way his stock drops, and this isn't commentary on how serious I take this whole thing because I take it incredibly seriously, but if we're just talking business and football, the only way it drops is if they think he's not available, mm-hmm. if they think he's going to jail or, you know, hey, we're not going to spend a top five. And I'm not talking about just the Seahawks. I'm talking about the Bears or the Cardinals or any other team. I just don't see them. If he che- checks out to be, hey, man, he's by all accounts, this is a great kid. He had He had a major screw up here. Mm-hmm. There's no two ways around it, but this isn't – he's not a problem child. He's not a guy who's always getting in trouble, making terrible decisions. Right. I, I think he's he still goes where he probably was projected to go unless there's uncertainty about his availability. Yeah. That's, that's just my first blush reaction to this. You know who's kind of an interesting player that kind of came into play, and I don't know which of the mock drafts you sent me, Bob, that had, had him in there, but we heard from Moyer the other day. Kalija Cansey. The yeah, pick see, I kid? didn't remember that because I think I sent it to you. Going, they got this one's got him. This is uh, yeah. this is from CBS Sports. Okay. Chris Chaprasso, who has a, a trade with the Panthers to number nine, and then they go with him. They go with Cansey uh, at, at number nine, who's listed at uh, is he six feet tall, under three hundred pounds. I'm thinking, well, that goes against what we've heard KJ say. Yeah, what we've heard everybody say. They need more Al Woods type of guys if they're going to run this three four. You need some big bodies, some big. You know, space eaters. That's not this guy. Yeah, he's he's six foot two seventy five. Uh, by the way, and I'm not making the comparison, and I know people probably want to, especially because he went to Pitt. Aaron Donald uh, is six one two eighty. Is he so only two eighty? Yeah, just a chiseled granite. <laughs> he is. He totally is. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, this kid, Kalisha Cansey. Oh my gosh, it, it is. It is impressive to watch him. Do you he think he could do so that at this level? Freaking quick! He re- he looks a lot like what what Aaron Donald. Now does he become Aaron Donald? I think Aaron Donald's kind of a one and once in a lifetime guy. But you know, you bring up the point also that you know if they're going to run the three four, which you know I don't know how we haven't talked much about that since the de- departure of Sean Desai. Yeah. Maybe that makes it them a little bit more likely to go back to the four three. So I don't know, but. This kid's quick enough to play pretty much anywhere on the line. But 
I don't know. You know, it's it's an interesting story. I think he's one of those guys that might be a surprise if you go and look at how unbelievably quick he is. Yeah. And, and nobody can block him because he's just a constantly moving target, and he's he's so fast, but very undersized for a three four defense for sure. Well, some of these other mocks we got out there. So that that's what you know. The first one that was Mel Kiper. He's got trades. He's got the Seahawks trading back with the Panthers. Panthers move up to five. Seahawks go to nine. They take this kid out of out of Florida mm-hmm. as a project. They sign Geno or they they put the franchise tag on Geno. Let let Richardson learn for a year, and then in twenty twenty four, they assume he's ready to go. We'll we'll see that. Doesn't feel likely, but all right, maybe it happens. Uh, your guy Bucky Brooks from NFL dot com. His was pretty much what we've seen. He's got at number five, they go with Tyree Wilson. At with twenty, they go cornerback, which I thought was interesting. Kid uh, from Oregon by any chance? Yeah, Kelly Ringo. Oh, uh, Georgia. Is it is it Kelly Different or Keeley? 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 Yeah, Keeley Ringo. They, he's got them going cornerback, which it, it does. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that does that feels like in the list of priorities that's down there they need linebackers they need more than just that one person on the line uh you, you've got Tariq obviously you've got Kobe Bryant there hopefully we'll see what what happens with Trey Brown he, he can step back into some sort of prominent role I don't know I don't I don't know how you view that spot it doesn't mean they don't need depth or somebody to bring in for competition but would they use a first round pick on a cornerback, yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be fairly interesting. You're talking about number twenty, right? Yeah, so, twenty. I mean, so they got Wilson at five. Yeah. He's, he's got him sticking. No, no trades at five. They go with Wilson at twenty. They go with Ringo. Well, and here, here's the one thing I would say though: Would you rather have him pick a receiver? And I know it's not either or, but we have seen a lot of uh, different scenarios where they take a receiver, and uh, the kid uh, Jackson Smith. Uh, Jigba, uh, wide receiver out of Ohio, Ohio in, in State. Jigba, yeah. In Jigba. So, yeah, it's uh, to me, I, I would rather have a corner than a wide receiver. But yeah. the thing is, you know, cornerback is that's a really interesting. I mean, if you have, and I've always said, hey, look, if you have one guy, like Richard Sherman was the cornerstone kind of, you know, coverage. I mean, I think Cam was the boom, and, you know, you had uh, Earl Thomas, who was just all over the place. But, Sure, not only did, was he really good and would get picks and shut everybody down, but there were quarterbacks that wouldn't even target him. Yeah. And remember after the Green Bay game, he went up to Aaron Rodgers and said, you weren't throwing my way, were you? And that happened, Pete was talking about, I don't have the numbers on it, but he was telling me during a stretch of games that nobody threw at Tariq Woolen. Mm. So if you can get that other side and just have two solid lockdown corners, but I don't know. Uh, to me, it's slightly better than wide receiver because I'm with you. You got Kobe Bryant, you've got Michael Jackson, you've got Trey Brown. Trey Brown, we'll see what happens with the injuries. That was very mysterious what happened with him last year. That was yeah, that was weird. And 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 Mike Jackson is a free agent, so we'll yeah. see what happens there. Right. Some of these other ones we'll get to. They they address kind of what's become a, a more recent need. Now this one, uh, Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports. Kind of the same thing. Tyree Wilson at five doesn't have them trading, and then at twenty he has them going with the safety, uh, Brian Branch, which is interesting. So, I, I could kind of see that. I guess we don't we don't know what's going to happen with Jamal. Hopefully, he comes back and is able to be what he was his first year here and can stay healthy and be available. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but the the next the next two address the more recent need. Now this one's from USA Today. Tyree Wilson at five, center. They go at twenty with uh, John Michael Schmitz, and that I'll I'll say that's true of the next one as well with the twentieth pick, both going center because that's now a need. 
Yeah. Now, we don't know what they were going to do. Austin Blythe was a free agent. Were they going to bring him back? I don't I, – I didn't love him last year. I didn't think he was terrible by any stretch. It was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know, I, who knows if they if they were going to be looking elsewhere regardless or if they wanted to bring him back. But that, that appears to be a need whether they address it through free agents. You got Kyle Fuller on the roster. Did you say is Joey Hunt on the roster? Or? Well, I saw him at the end of the year. He was on yeah. the travel squad and everything and, you know, for the playoffs and all that. So but he's not I think he's on there. He, he feels like. No, an emergency guy. No, and he's a, he's a great guy to have around as a as a piece. But no, that's not a guy that you're going to go in thinking seriously. This is where our starting offensive line. So yeah, that that will uh, now all of a sudden you're bringing that into play. I'm I'm thinking also that the fact that Austin Blythe retired was kind of like he knew he knew it was at the end of he was kind of at the end of the the conveyor belt and then yeah. that was it. So that kind of sort of stacks up with how he played. Yeah. You know, so uh, I know he's a big family man and, and all that. So maybe he wanted to dedicate more time to his kids, things like that. But um, well, so those make more sense now yeah. when you look at, at these mocks. So USA Today has Tyree Wilson uh, at 20. Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports has Tyree Wilson at five or both at five. And then at 20 in the next two, they both have center John Michael Schmitz. Uh, the CBS Sports and USA Today. So those that kind of makes sense. Just looking at position, I don't know is he the is he considered one of the best centers? Is he a first rounder? I don't, I assume the Seahawks are doing their due diligence. But the idea of going after a center with that second first round pick that makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree. And that's I mean you're addressing at least part of it. Um, you know we talk about the tackles being really good. The two rookies from last year who are just going to get better. But, yeah, the interior part, and I feel like, you know, one of those guys, whether it's Phil Haynes, and they must have a lot of faith in in Phil Haynes, and I've liked the way he's played. And you saw for a while there, I went and looked at his numbers, there was a a point in the middle of the season where he was just slowly taking over for Gabe Jackson. But at the end, and I think he might have been banged up a little bit, but he he got hurt, uh, or he... um, yeah, he didn't play, I'm sorry, the the last couple games against the Rams or the playoff game, but he was slowly getting more reps. So my point is, you know, you've got you've got him and I think he can get better. You sign him to a deal, he looks happy, he looks like maybe this is going to be home for him. He develops and then hopefully Damian Lewis comes around and mm-hmm. is competitive. So if you had to choose of the two guards and the center, for me, if I I'm have to choose which which guy to get in the draft, I'm taking the center. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, the most important. Yeah, yeah, that Absolutely. that to me, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that because that that's your general on the line. He's the one calling out the blocking, the protections, all of that. Well, he's touching the ball on every play, man. I mean, that's that's important. Yeah, and it's a big connection to your quarterback. So yeah, I uh, I think that that would I, I'd be happy with that. And you know, if you uh, get if it's Jalen Carter, we'll see. If it's Tyree Wilson, either way, you're addressing your your defensive line and your offensive line, and that's how. You know, these a uh, lot of teams want to. Uh, that's how they want to draft. That's how you build your team. Now, what about this one? I'm having a hard time getting that link to open. It's just bringing me to the front page. But I, I saw this last night, and it was it was a story. I'm gonna have to paraphrase because it, it won't come up. But uh, they said based on Pete's comments, where he was saying, you know, hey, we're all in on these quarterbacks. Or whatever he's saying. Remember, we, we yes. talked about that. Just talking about there. We haven't had a pick this high before, so we are we are in there. Uh, Basically, they were saying that opens the door for the Seahawks to trade up to number one. Hmm. And it seemed like they were taking his comments to mean they're really excited about somebody in this group of of quarterbacks to the point 
where they now become a contender to trade with the Bears to move up to number one. That, of all of these scenarios, seems the most unlikely of all of them. What did you think of that one? I thought that Pete was, I had a little smile on my face when I was reading the first couple paragraphs of that story. <laughs> because, yeah, he, he's talking about, yeah, we're going to be in the race. This is where we're going to do it. You were talking about all the deception and intrigue and everything. Uh, that's kind of like, that was a master class in that, I felt like. I mean, maybe yeah. he's right. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to, to have a, a great quarterback, of course. If you're picking the at number one, if you trade up and get to number one, then, yeah, he's probably going to be a pretty good player, unless it's Carson Wentz. Or, and actually, was Jared Goff first or second, or was Wentz first or second? That year in 2016, I'm trying to Goff remember. Goff was first. Though. Goff was first? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Carson Wentz just... Yeah, never really has worked out, so it's not like a total guarantee. But I, I felt like what you were talking about earlier, how, Bob, you basically said that you like liars, is what you were saying. <laughs> Bob likes liars. I like the poker game. Yeah. I like the poker game of the draft, the combine, all the information being floated out there, right. and the speculation. I, I think it's it's wildly entertaining. And yeah. Pete maybe... I think Pete was just answering questions the way he answers. I don't think there's, yeah. I don't think there was intent to be deceptive on his part. Let me let me float this out there and get the rumor mill churning. I don't. Yeah. I think he was just being Pete answering. Hey, we're all in on everybody. I think if you asked him about any other position, he'd say the same thing. Oh yeah, wide receivers, we're all in. We we know who all these guys are. We've been doing our homework on them. We're 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 gonna love them up. We're gonna we're gonna compete like crazy out there to to you know talk to the guys we like. And yeah, I just I think he was answering the way Pete does, and that person took it to mean, uh oh, yeah, we got a new we got a new contender. Yeah. In, in the mix for uh, trading up for that Bears pick. That's exactly what I thought when I was reading what you sent. Yeah, I was like, a sucker. Yeah. You got one on there. But, you know, but look, that's if you're not used to Pete, that's how he talks about everything. You know, I'm not, not saying he's putting up a smoke screen, but he does, yeah, to kind of talk around in circles. And, again, it's just a way of not answering questions. And that's not anything bad. I mean, that's you got to be good at that. And I think Pete's really good. At those kinds of things. Well, and I th- I think he's being honest, though, at the same time that, yeah, I think they probably know everything there is to know about these kids without having spoken with them yet, without the yeah. interview that they have gone over the tape. They're doing their due diligence, and they probably know everything there is to know about Jalen Carter and Tyree Wilson and Murphy and any of these other players that potentially fall to him at five. They've We talked to John, and we'll talk to him tomorrow, but he talked about having, here's plan A. All right, that guy's gone. Here's plan B. Here's plan C. And they... They're going all the way down. So in order to put that plan together, they have to know what they're dealing with in all these players. So I think they are up to speed on everything. Anybody who's projected to be a top 10 pick, I think they they could tell you anything you'd possibly want to know about those kids, regardless of the position. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, with with Schneider, I mean, he probably knows something about every guy. It was pretty amazing his... uh, his recall of, you know, certain players and yeah. the punter with San Francisco. But I guess, you know, you get invested in those guys and then, you know, you watch them enough on film, you feel like you know them yeah. almost. So, yeah, it's uh, the, the, that's the, the funny part about it. I, I'm i trying to remember that I looked at a couple of players when I was, you know, interviewed with the Saints and there was a linebacker. I can't remember his name, probably because I only looked at him for his name was Albert Albert or Alfred Fincher. And so the Saints, they asked me to put a grade on him, and I said free agent grade. I thought he had you know talent coming off the edge, but I didn't think he was a good inside backer. And uh, I handed it to the the guy who was kind of testing me or whatever. And there were these guys had already been drafted. I didn't know, and so I gave him a free agent grade, and uh, he kind of laughs. I'm like, what's up? Did I just get my my 
my ass out of here or what, what, what's going on? He says, we picked him in the third round. <laughs> so, but I ended up being right because yeah. he ended up, you know, he, he was a good outside guy. But that that's, uh, you know, you, you just never know what, what's going to happen. I mean, but you, you get you fall in love with these guys almost. It's like, I know everything about him. I mean, how do I remember from 2004, Alfred Fincher? Yeah. I mean, it's, he went to UConn, but you, I think once you get that uh, ingrained in your, in your brain, you know, these guys are almost like, I can see where they would get emotionally attached to them, but you just, you just can't do that. What what do you think the reaction would be from, from Seahawk fans and just around here? All of a sudden here comes Roger Goodell up to the podium. Everybody's booing as they do. And you know, there's been a trade now on the clock. The Bears have traded their pick to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks are now on the clock with a number one overall pick, and they go with Bob. You might see Bryce me, Young. You might see me with a gas mask bomb on <laughs> after that. That's that's how shocked I would be. Could you I, imagine? That would be the most un Seahawk like thing ever, right? Without question. And they've constantly surprised us every year with with certain picks and things they've done. So we shouldn't rule it out. But if I were betting in Vegas, the least likely, like the biggest odds, be on that. That'd be what would that be? Thousand to one. I mean, just I, I just can't picture them doing that. But maybe you know, we don't know what their conviction is about some of these quarterbacks. And maybe they're looking at one of them going. This kid's a once-in-a-generation talent in yeah. their mind. Right. <laughs> this town would go crazy. I can't even imagine the reaction. Seahawks are on the clock with the number one overall pick. Mm. I'd go crazy if they took a if they took C.J. Stroud. I'm going, no, Ohio State, you can't do it. You can't do it, Pete. Yeah. John, don't do it. So there you go. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of mock drafts. Those, those will continue to roll out. We'll keep an eye on things. Interesting to see what they do. Uh, for the ones coming out next because of the Jalen Carter situation. How much does that impact what they put out there? So we'll take a look at that. Meanwhile, the players have spoken, and they ranked all of the teams in the NFL on all kinds of different categories. The NFLPA released this thing. We're going to get into this next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, John Morosi will join us on the program. You don't want to miss that. Always great stuff from John Morosi. Meanwhile, the NFLPA, Dave, uh, released a team report card. NFL player team report card is what they call this. And they say, one of our core jobs as a union is to improve the overall working conditions for our players, which includes the daily experience of players at the team facilities, away from the lights and cameras. 1,300 of our players provided information to share with one another about their current club to not only help them make important career decisions, but also help raise the standards across the league. Our goals were to highlight positive clubs, identify areas that could use improvement, and highlight best practices and standards to learn more about the background of this initiative, blah, blah, blah. So they they went through and and graded all these teams on uh, treatment of families, nutrition, weight room, Strength staff, training room, training staff, locker room. So they've got all these, all these uh, different categories. And the Seahawks overall came in at number eleven, which I know surprised you. I don't, I don't really know. I haven't been outside of the Rams facility back in Earth City. Uh, I haven't been in other teams' facilities. Earth so City. we see some on on Hard Knocks. They all look really nice, actually. I mean, every time they show them, they all look like they've got really. Nice facilities for the most part. It seems like the Cowboys and and the Cardinals all look like they're new and yeah. shiny and nice and everything. So I don't know 
you know, maybe it's just the newness of a lot of these that, that raise them above where the Seahawks are. The Seahawks setting is hard to imagine a better one being right there on the water, overlooking the water from their cafeteria. And they've got, you know, the chefs and the food and the, the weight room that they have. But maybe by today's standards, it's not quite as special as we think it is, even though it's if if that's 11, I'd love to see what one through 10 look like. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Well, Dallas. You know, I think, like you said, the newness, and I, I'm not sure exactly how much they're going on that. I mean, they they talk a lot about uh, staff, uh, strength uh, of uh, the strength staff, for example, and then they say training room. Well, does that mean the trainers or just the training room in general, like all the different things that they have? Yeah, I just I'm just surprised to see the Seahawks not ranked, not necessarily higher, because I would think the Cowboys they the Cowboys got an A plus on three different categories. So, you know, and and then an A, a B, and a C minus. Nobody likes to travel, apparently. Yeah, uh, Seahawks got a C for team travel. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like Minnesota, I think Minnesota came in first, right, Mike? I mean, they had uh, the Vikings had A's pretty much all the way across. And so. Yeah, they did. Goodness. It just, it's kind of interesting to me because it mostly came off as very sort of negative. Like you see a lot of F's. You know, and a lot of D's and C's and, you know, I'm just, it just, I guess for me, when I went, I took a trip to to uh, Detroit, their weight room was in a uh, racquetball room. You remember yeah. when the racquetball used to go in through the little door? Yeah, if they get down. And, yeah, you had yeah. to go through the little door to get into their weight room. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, yeah. you know. How do you get an F minus? Yeah, that's. This? The yeah. Chargers got an F minus on their, uh, on what is it, their their training room. Now, don't they share that with the Rams? They share that building, right? Is this their practice facility? This is their own practice. Yes, yeah, okay. Own. Well, they also have doctors that like puncture your lungs. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Chargers. Yeah, yeah that's that a one's common never going to go away, is it? I didn't yeah. know you could get an F minus. I thought once you reached F, that's yeah. rock bottom. But they got an F minus there, and they, yeah, the Chargers uh, got a D minus, an F, a C minus, an A minus, an F minus. <laughs> So they're not doing well, a D minus and a C minus. Well, it's kind of interesting to me. This is an NFLPA thing, and it just seems, you know, look, that's that's my union. You know, I belonged, I paid dues, everything. And I guess, you know, they're they're kind of trying to give the players their, you know, their protection or their approval and try to help them out, all that stuff. But I don't, it just seemed very negative, and I was surprised to see. I don't... I don't care who you are. I mean, I look, I, I understand that Dallas has all new stuff and everything, but out at the VMAC, there's pretty much everything there. I mean, you got people delivering you a special shake after the game that, you know, uh, that replenishes whatever you're most depleted in. Like they, mm-hmm. they test the, the players, you know, and then I didn't know this was a thing. And uh, Mike, I think you read this to me, but I guess that most teams, when they win on the road, they let their players go up to first class. Right. I thought that was just a Seahawk thing. But uh, so, uh, you know, as far as the travel goes, <laughs> the commanders got an F minus on that one. So, yeah. but I mean, they're, they're polling veterans and sometimes veterans can be a is little it, crusty. Well, is would it, it surprise veterans or it just says 13? Yeah, they specify anyone. veterans? No, uh uh-uh. It's everyone. So they it's just thirteen hundred players. Oh, really? I thought it was. I thought it was somewhere. I read that it was like the older guys and, and yeah, it just said thirteen hundred of their players. Would it surprise you though to know that the two worst Commanders were thirty second, Cardinals were thirty first? Yeah, Probably no not surprise. The Commanders makes absolute yes. sense. Cardinals. I mean, we watched it on Hard Knocks. 
They look like nice, nice building, nice meeting rooms, nice yeah. training area. It's hard. I mean, you don't see every nook and cranny, certainly, but yeah, that that one's a little bit more surprising. The commanders, I just expect everything to suck. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Not you know, with the, the exception of I don't blame the players, I don't blame Ron Rivera, but yeah, Daniel Snyder seems like everything he touches is just bad. He's just bad news. But for the Seahawks, they got a B plus on treatment of families, so they got support of players' families. Ranked ninth. I'm not sure how they determine it. It says they offer a family room and daycare. Okay. Mm. And then a post game gathering area, ranked eighth. And then no explanation. Food service slash nutrition, B. Plus. Uh, quality of food, ranked 10th. Quality, quality of food is good, and club provides all three meals. Uh, 96% of players feel there's enough room in the cafeteria. So 4% of the players feel like there's not enough room there, I guess. Uh, weight room, they got an A minus. Uh, players are happy with their weight room. It says ninety five percent of respondents believe there are enough strength coaches. Mm. Um, so strength coaches were good. That that got an A minus. Uh, yeah, let's see. Training room B minus. Staffing eighty two percent feel they have enough ATCs. Ninth worst in the league. What's what's ATC? I don't know. No. Uh, assistant trainer, training yeah. coach. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Eighty well, percent feel like they have enough PT, physical therapist, steam room slash sauna. There is a steam room. One hundred percent feel it's big enough. There is a sauna. Seventy five percent feel it's big enough. Tubs. So they're getting into the. We're getting into the minutia yeah. of it here. But uh, locker room A minus. Players feel like they have a very nice locker room. One hundred percent of the players feel like they've got enough room. And then team travel. They have. They get a C. 72% of the players feel like they've got enough room to spread out. Uh, no roommates, no first-class seats, only after road victories, only one of only seven teams that do not offer first-class seats to players. And then the Seahawks almost always rank high in miles traveled for games during the season. Yeah, of course, that's the that's the part of being here. I just I don't see that that's that big of a deal. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though, it was really nice and – well, it is a big deal. If you live in Denver, Denver's a great spot because even if you're going to the East Coast, you leave the day before and you don't have to you don't have the the three hour time zone. Everything's like a, a short trip. I remember played a game one time there on Christmas Eve and I was like, Oh man, that's a real bummer, you know, but then we were home by like seven seven o'clock. Something like that. So yeah, it's some are a little bit different that way. But I don't know. This the the two things that we see the most. Well, three. We see the field and it's just beautifully kept and here it is on that lake. I don't know. Maybe the players don't appreciate that. Uh the weight room is phenomenal. And we're, mm-hmm. you know, backed up to that when we do our radio show. And then when we got there for the draft, the food's awfully damn good. Yeah. I hear that sometimes they even have organic food out there, Bob. So uh yeah, I think I think to me. I'm surprised that they're that low, but you're right. Some of the the newer facilities, like Dallas, is Houston a newer facility? The Texans, because the I Texans just, did really well in this. They just assume everybody everything there is crap. I know they have an A plus on travel. They've got a B plus locker room, A plus training staff, B training room, A strength staff, A weight room, B plus nutrition. I mean, that's the Texans. Apparently, it's not amounting to wins, yeah. but it's, it's uh, they're they're being highly regarded by the players that are there which is is a little bit surprised b plus treatment of families b plus nutrition so it's a it's a really interesting thing to see what the players are thinking of where they're at but yeah it's uh overall not quite sure about the motivation of the nflpa to put that out there 
publicly, but okay. There you go. Meanwhile, there's another new rule that we learned about in baseball yesterday. We'll hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. The Pirates and Orioles were uh, playing a spring training game yesterday. Turned out uh, they played it without umpires because in the top of the ninth, Pirates were the home team. They won. They got out of the top of the ninth ahead. So the umps left. Game was over. But the Orioles wanted to let a reliever get some work in. So both teams agreed to just stay out there without umpires. The umpires seem satisfied with ending the game. And the Orioles have... Well, Freddie Gomez, who was scheduled to pitch today, they would like him to pitch. But usually what that is 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 an agreement with the managers. They consult the umpires, and they have dinner reservations. About 150 years ago, they used to do it this way. What do you think? All right. I don't know. I think it was, that was the, the color guy. The catcher. Oh, yeah. Mimicking. But the, the catcher yeah. was the one calling balls and strikes. Yeah. Which was, which you could hear on the on the video. Is that from the story I sent you, that audio? Yeah, I think. So that wasn't the catcher? No. Okay. I, it wasn't that loud. Because yeah. I heard the catcher, he just kind of goes, ball. And he was, you know, I thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. Just being honest about it. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, because I know it's spring training, but just leaving it up to the, them, to the honor system. I think it'd be funny if there was uh, two guys that were buddies that were on separate teams that got in like a mock fight. How do you call that a strike? Yeah, <laughs> get in the catcher's face. But no, I thought it was uh, it was interesting. I liked that as I was reading that story. I don't think I've read a story in a long time where I pictured it in my head as it was going on because you know it was like, well, the the two coaches, the managers, got together and they were like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going. Okay, yeah, it's kind of cool. I can imagine the guys up there like, okay, you know, how you calling them today? Giving each other a hard time. <laughs> But that's yeah. kind of cool, though. You know, sportsmanship and all. But can right. you imagine if that were the Mariners and they happen to be playing the Angels or the Astros? Yeah. And Dusty Baker goes, hey, we want to give our guys some work. What do you think? I think services say, take a hike, pal. Yeah. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, there'd definitely be a fight at the plate. Phil Nevin, sure. hey, we want to get uh, Anthony Rendon another at-bat. Can we work this out? Uh, nope. there'd, there'd be something <laughs> like, yeah, three feet off the plate. And because they're cheaters, yeah. it'd be called a strike. <laughs> Sweeping the dial. Well, 49ers GM John Lynch was uh, asked about Trey Lance today at the Combine, and it sounds like Lynch kind of wants Lance to be the starter next season. I'm watching Trey out there taking drops each day. I don't see a limp. It's not to say he's 100%, but he's really recovering well. He's got to play. That's the biggest challenge. We got a team that's ready to go now. He's got to get out there and play. Brock got that opportunity this year. He grabbed it. He did great things. We'll see at some point how we get Trey that opportunity because we very much believe in who he is as a person and who he is as a quarterback translation we we gave up uh two number ones in a second or three number whatever the heck they got king's ransom for this guy it looks terrible right now we gotta see if he can play well enough to maybe they can they can trade him or something i don't know i mean they got two quarterbacks who they don't know physically are going to be available i saw another story i didn't send it to you but it was basically saying that the 49ers are on the lookout for a veteran quarterback right now yeah. to, to occupy that spot until one or both of these guys can get healthy. Well, with them, though, I mean, if you have Trey Lance, you know what you got in the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, Brock Purdy can can come in there, and we were talking to Fitter about it, and he was, you know, talk, speaking pretty favorably about the, the 
program that they have there, the the formula, and you have to have a lot of other pieces around them. But Trey Lance is one of the more interesting players to me just because of what you mentioned, all the draft capital that they gave up for that and then just haven't seen anything. Was it two or three first-rounders? I think it was two. Two and a second or three and some other stuff. But then they gave up a whole bunch for Christian McCaffrey, so they don't have much of a draft coming up. Kind of like what the, the Rams did as well. Kind of interesting. They're in the same, you know, NFC West. But, yeah, I, th- I think Trey Lance is going to be – I just don't see it at all. Now, we haven't seen a lot. But, like, if I had to choose right now who I think is going to be the starting quarterback, I'd say Brock Purdy. Sweeping the dial. Aaron Rodgers is uh, out of his darkness retreat. And ESPN's Jeff Darlington says the Packers are now kind of like all of us, just pretty much over all of these antics from Rodgers. No longer does it feel like the Packers are simply going to kiss the ring of Aaron Rodgers and say, we need you back. We got to have you back. It it is no longer that tone. It is, if you want to be a part of this organization, you need to call us. You need to commit. You need to show us that that is going to be the case. And that is a very different tone. And that is, by the way, problematic if, in fact, you do want Aaron Rodgers back. Because now we have, we're talking about two egos here. One person who's a franchise quarterback and and who believes that he has done uh, a great deal for this organization, and another in a person who is overseeing an organization he believes is bigger than any one player. They're both kind of right. In, that, in what he's saying there, and that Aaron Rodgers has done a lot for that organization. He's, you know, multiple, multiple MVPs back-to-back most recently. Um, but they are bigger than one player. So it, it is, I think he's accurate. Now, whether this is accurate, that they're just kind of over him, uh, who knows. Uh, there's $60 million sitting on the table that's guaranteed to him if he comes back. So if he decides he wants to play elsewhere, I'll be very interested to see how do they work that out. How does how does that work out in a trade with another team? I don't know what the salary cap hit is. The you remember uh, you remember those uh, posters or like a, it was like an email thing where whether it was like a really great looking guy sculpted you know model or a really you know good looking girl in a bikini and it's like somewhere somebody is sick of their bleep. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of they should make an Aaron Rodgers <laughs> poster because yeah, I think I mean. It, based on his talent and what he can do that he's that much of a pain in the ass that you would be ready to move on from him that would be says a lot that says a lot about how big of a pain in the butt he is yeah, no. <laughs> he he seems to make it evident every time he speaks it, it yeah. becomes more and more evident so we'll see now that he's uh, emerged from the darkness what his decision will be uh meanwhile the nhl trade deadline is friday so what are the kraken going to be doing plus we'll talk spring training we'll get into all of that with our analyst john morosi who joins us next here with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710